now in Burrowhead. Butker's kick is up. The spinning kick high. Floating in the air. And it is good. Good. Burrowhead my ass. They said they run the damn AFC. They lie. They said we wasn't going to whoop their ass. They lie. You can doubt the Chiefs. You can dislike the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs as the AFC champions. Hello and welcome to a special edition Arrowheads Abroad podcast. Um, you've got myself, Neil, and I have finally succeeded in nagging my special <laughs> guest into submission. <laughs> um, so I'm joined by Yahoo's uh, senior NFL writer, Charles Robinson. Charles, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, Neil. How are you doing, man? Thanks. Um, have you actually, do you get to enjoy this week or is it work? Um, I, you know, it's a really busy schedule. So you end up, um, you know, I get here on Monday and you're immediately gearing up for the whole soiree on Monday night, the the big media night, the big introductory night. And then it's just schedule like every single day. It's you have to know what's on the budget. Do you need to get out and see people in terms of the media, the team availabilities? Um, when do you have to be to the media center to do whether it's podcasts or video or other appearances or to catch up with somebody. Um, so it's, you do, but it, it's it, the time you get is usually later at night and it's, you're already kind of the next day scheduling in your mind, like, okay, what's the first thing I got coming tomorrow? When do I have to have whatever I'm writing in? Um, and, you know, I, I monitor not just the teams or sort of what's going on, but also you'll get people coming through like a road on Sean Payton, um, had a chance to talk to him yesterday. Uh, the, yeah, the ticket prices are always kind of something that I keep an eye on because it's very, um, always a very big kind of point of interest to this game here. Sort of where are they? Where does this rank? Are they are they rising? Are they falling? It's sort of a temperature gauge of not only the health of the game, not only the matchup itself, but sort of the health of the NFL. You know, it's I, I would say that this year probably represents given everything I've seen over the course of the week, given the way tickets have sold, given the way you've seen crowds get into Phoenix starting Thursday night, this feels to me like Miami prior to the pandemic. Like I, I was really like, okay, this is it. We're back. Like now it feels um, like we are fully 100%, if not 110% of what we were in Miami prior to the COVID breakout. And, you know, that, that to me is a pretty big deal because, you know, for the league, it, it's felt like, They've tried really hard to move beyond it, and and this year, I don't think there's any. It's it was already an off afterthought this year, I think, for the most of the season. But now that you've gone through the biggest stage that you have, and it's not even it's it's not a question at all. And the crowds are exactly where they were a couple of years ago. I think they move forward very happily now to be well past it. It's funny. I don't know what it's like over there, but on the news, you never hear about COVID anymore. It's just yeah, it's yeah, same just not men- There's no mention whatsoever of it. No, you don't. The only time you really hear it here is is when it's like events being monitored in China, like what's mm-hmm. going on with with COVID in China and everything. But no, I, as far as it, it's interesting to me, because over the course of the season, you will see. I thought it was funny. It's like so and so's out of practice with illness, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that happened all season long. Like more, the number of times you would see 
so-and-so mispractices because of illness. And I'm like, that's COVID. Like, like we're just not saying, like, they don't even say COVID anymore. They just say he's out of practice with illness. Chris, and Chris Jones on Wednesday was, oh, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a sore throat and I've got a bit of a snuff. And I was like, oh, shit, no. <laughs> I mean, but it's not even, uh, guys are gone a day. You know, yeah. it's not even, a, it's so, it's such a afterthought now. And it's, it's so far in the rearview mirror. So um, I think to the league anyway, it's a relief because it, it gets things back onto the, the normal revenue track, the growth track. They, they're starting to talk about other, other things, you know, the direction of the league and the international games and ramping up all these different things that they had to kind of tone down. I, I had completely forgotten on Monday night um, that we hadn't done it since Miami. That had been a few years since we had the big introductory night. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's right. We it's, it's been a few years since we, we did this. And uh, you, you forget a little bit, even though I've been through so many of them over the years, you forget a little bit what that's like. And they sold 10,000 plus tickets to that opening night. And the crowd to me, um, it was closer to the action than ever before. It felt more packed than ever before. I, and to me, I almost think like the NFL had a curiosity about the last few years. Once things really click into normalcy, will there be a pent up appetite for the product? And I actually think there has been. I think there's been proof in not only the viewership, but the way that that you've seen people resonate Um to the postseason, the the stadium's packed. I went to the NFC title game, and you could not fit another person into Lincoln Finding. I was insane to me because I'm sitting there and I'm staring up at like the very top ribbon that like it, it looks like the cusp of the edge of the stadium, and there were people standing up there. <laughs> like these people look like they're gonna fall off the edge of the stadium. It's so full, but it's um yeah, it's the 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 demand there is as strong as ever, and I think the the NFL is really excited about that. Good. Um, looking at the season as a whole, then this wasn't supposed to be the Chiefs' year, really, was it? Like every everybody retooled, right? And we traded Tyreek away. Like at the start of the season, I had the Chargers winning the division. I, I would never have picked us to be in the Super Bowl. What what's gone wrong for everyone else, or what's gone right for the Chiefs that's got us here? Well, I think um, we learned something about the Chiefs and Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. Um, we learned something about the personnel department this year because I, I think for me it was I questioned every single one of those quarterbacks that lost their best receiver, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, um, A.J. Brown. You know, you, you just had this multitude of top-flight guys, obviously Tyreek Hill, um, I was like, let's see how this impacts all these and, and all these players. And and to me, I was like, the two quarterbacks who were most suited to the players they lost were Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Mahomes and Hill. And we saw drastically different reactions to that. And I think it speaks to the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. I think everyone's been, I voted for him for MVP. I can say that now um, <laughs> that it was, it was remarkable the way that the offense adjusted. I think it was a feather in Andy's cap, but really a feather in Mahomes' cap that you lose a player as dynamic as Tyree Kill, who went and continued to be insanely dynamic in Miami, dra dramatically changed that offense in, in ways that you would have expected. And then you saw the ability to continue to 
get everything you could out of Travis Kelsey. I mean, to almost to another level, which seemed like it was hard to do um, when teams knew that that this was now really his primary on on every given play, even if. The ball was snapped and he didn't look at Kelsey first. He was looking at Kelsey first, mm-hmm. I think, you know, and, um, but then also, you know, uh, Juju, you know, get, working Juju into the offense, you know, the, the rotation of running backs, um, going and getting Kadarius Tony, who I think hasn't had an impact, but interestingly enough, I, he's like one of those sneaky guys where in a game like this, I'm like, I would not be surprised if all of a sudden Tony, you know, pops up with like a 70, you know, five catch 70 yard game and really factors in, in this, in a, in a way of making a big play. Um, but really I think what, what I didn't expect and maybe I should have was when you retool an offensive line, um, particularly when you add two rookies um, to, to the mix in an offensive line, as much as it will improve over the course of a season, which I think we saw last year, really you get the you can get the big jump the next year if for for the most part you keep the unit playing together and i mean you know you look at the eagles or you look at you look at uh cincinnati's another team where they had 15 straight weeks of all five starters and you're like why is cincinnati doing x a lot of it had to do with the health of the offensive line the fact that that group was playing so well and and the cohesion was getting there over the course of the season the eagles have been excellent when they've had full health along the offensive line um, and then I, I just think that line, all those, the, the changes and sort of the retooling that we knew had to happen after the debacle against the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, it really took hold. And so I think offensively, um, that really helped. And then let, let's be real, there were some contributions from rookies to this team. You could, you, you just don't, you never, yeah, you just never know, especially defensively. You know, you just never know when when guys are going to show up and be able to contribute in a way that's meaningful. And then by the end of the season, they're not really rookies anymore because they played so much. Um, so to me, that was it, it. Was just a multitude of things. The offensive line really um, came together. Mahomes, I think, raised his level of play with a different cast of characters, and they they were able to very easily spread out the offense a little more than we thought. They got some contributions from Pacheco in the backfield. Um, and then defensively you had rookies that kicked in and, you know, Chris Jones was Chris Jones. And once the playoffs start, Frank Clark, it's like, all right, it's like, all right, here we go. <laughs> it's like, now it's time to go. So yeah, it's, it, it's not any one thing. And frankly, I think even Andy, you know, I think it's another year of understanding and appreciating why Andy is one of the best play callers in the NFL um that we'll ever see you know or that that we've seen over the last two decades he's a top two or three or four play caller in the nfl which is i mean that's so rare do you do you think on the offensive line then that the increase in production and cohesion this year will influence the orlando brown decision that needs to be made um yeah i mean i, I we'll, we'll see because i mean it really is it, it, thing and it's um i don't know what the options are on the table that they would it's all like to me the first question you always ask yourself when there's a a a roster decision to be made with someone like that who you're staring down the barrel of a payday or 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 just kind of being a part in terms of the, the negotiation um it's okay well what's the what's the alternative like what is your other option and what are you saving by moving to that other option? And is it, is it worth the trade-off? And so 
I often say that with quarterbacks, everybody that wants to replace their quarterback. I'm like, okay, well then what are you looking at? Like, what's the, you know, you can move off of an AJ Brown. If you're Tennessee, where are you going with this? It's oh, okay. Traylon Burks. Well, we, we, you know, you kind of see what that impact is. The the Packers. Okay. You can move on from Devonte Adams. What are you move? Okay. What are you then investing in and how is that going to impact the team? We saw it was dramatic. It did. It did not work out for the chiefs. You have the greatest player in the NFL, <laughs> I mean, the quarterback. So it was a little easier to to be able to do something like that. And by the way, you also have arguably the the greatest offensive play caller um, in the top three. Those all the top three. Let me tell you something. The top three offensive play callers in the NFL, they're all there. It's the same. It's like I don't think any of them really outrank each other. They're just all great. <laughs> it's like how much greater can great be? But. Um, so it's sort of that value you play that you have to look at. Now they've had some success retooling here. Um, I, I, you know, I, I expect that it's not a guarantee that the unit will be the same unit um, come next year. But let's wait and get this one on, uh, you know, in the in the bank first and see uh, how everybody feels coming out of it. The off season, something for a few weeks down the line. It's a long off season. Um, yeah, it's always a long off-season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So looking at the Eagles then, I have written down here, last year's Bills, question mark. Um, I've, I've watched a few of their games, and they've just they've dominated a lot of bad teams. But terrible schedule. Like, easy schedule in the NFL. We can't, we can't overlook that. Um, their defense is being lauded as, like, fantastic and it has got great players at every level but how much of their success has been based on who they've played against because the list of quarterbacks they've played against is trash well i I will say that i saw them in in um during the camp tour and it was obvious to me when i looked at them although i i knew there would probably have to be some acquisitions because howie roseman is that type of general manager i was like i i will bet you there will be some acquisitions in the front seven because when I looked at the secondary, I was like, secondary is fine. Front seven could be very good. I didn't know how good Hassan Reddick was going to be. I did not realize he was going to play at this level. I knew he could be good, but I mean, he's been been dominant at times. He's he's been a game-changing player at times. Um, But I knew they would have to add, okay, it ends up being Sue, Quinn, you know, um, and, but even at that time, I was like, damn, this depth chart for the Eagles is really good offensively their depth chart is exquisite what's going to happen with the quarterback and um how is aj brown going to fit you know into the mix here and you know let's see what nick sirianni looks like and with within year two of of sort of his development so the depth chart was great it was just sort of who came to the table and everybody it turns out pretty much came to the table against a lot of bad teams that's true they get into the playoffs they still haven't been challenged. And they would have been against the 49ers. Um, they just knocked the quarterback out of the game and it completely destroyed San Francisco's ability offensively to compete whatsoever. But let's be honest, Hassan Reddick changed the game. You know, Kyle Shanahan, who is the mastermind that he is, decided, hey, I'm going to try to stop that guy with a tight end on this particular play. And it destroyed their playoff game. Now, I'm not going to criticize Kyle here, but that is a risk. You took a risk. And you said, we, we're going to see if a tight end can handle this guy. And it blew out the elbow of your quarterback. And then after that, it was, 
you can say whatever you want about Josh Johnson. They were never going to be able to compete in that game down the stretch. So my my question then is for the Eagles, it's okay, now you're gonna play a team where offensively, even against that defense, it should be able to still be proficient. Now they have to the, the Chiefs have to be able to hold their own on different various points of the game plan. Now, if they do that and the Chiefs score points, now I want to see with pressure, what does that Philly offense look like? Okay, let's see. What is what does Jalen Hurts look like? I don't know how injured Jalen Hurts' shoulder really is right now. You know, we, uh, people say they know. We never had to watch him. He wasn't forced. Frank Schwab, I think, has done a really good job of talking about this on podcast. He was never forced in um, – limited option situations, meaning there's two minutes on the clock. You got to go. <laughs> okay. There's a, the whole playbook's not there. You got to get down the road on this one. And when, you know, to go vertical, can he do that? We don't know that yet. He might be fine. He might not be fine. It's the same with Mahomes and the ankle. He might be exponentially better than we think. He might be more injured than we think. You know, we just, we just don't know until we see these teams come out and play. So as talented as I think the Eagles are both offensively and defensively, this to me um, is it now represents their most difficult matchup of the season from an experience standpoint, from a quarterback standpoint, from a play calling standpoint, and Andy Reid from a stage standpoint. Because again, this is for the multitude of this team. The vast majority of the Eagles have not been on this stage, and they walk out there, and Jalen Hurts has not been on this stage. Now he's played a lot of high level games in his lifetime, especially in college, but. It's just a different animal here, and you never know what that's going to look like until they get out there. So I think, like, when you look at the Eagles, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I kind of scribbled this down a little bit. Um, in terms of what they want to do, okay, I think defensively, <laughs> excuse me, I think defensively, they high in their priority list. They want to hit Mahomes and and just see health-wise, like, how is he moving, um, how, uh, you know, not just you know, not about running or anything, but just how how mobile is he to navigate, sidestep pressure, move around. Um, I think they're going to look at him as, and I think this is just an ironclad staple, no matter what, with with a Mahomes or any of the great quarterbacks. Now, you have to absolutely show them something pre-snap that's not going to be the same post-snap, and at times it's going to have to be a little exotic. And you know, maybe you even have guys moving around prior to the snap. Now, doing things like that cause you can easily screw up and then you you break a play and you give up an 80 yard touchdown because your defense just isn't equipped to be able to have to try and throw something complicated at a quarterback the quarterback resolves it quickly and only one defender makes a mistake and it's over and next thing you know and you're it's a huge chunk play and then it scares you as a defensive coordinator because you're like okay this guy's resolving that kind of thing so i would think you're going to see them change a lot of their looks pre and post snap and then uh, they're not they're sitting there and they're going look um the obvious edges that the Kansas City Chiefs have over us in this game they have a quarterback edge clear as day okay they have a quarterback edge every single time they take the field they have a head coaching edge and a play calling edge that they will have against 28 of the NFL teams that they play okay and we are one of those you know Andy is going to call a better offensive play more likely than, than, you know, 28 other teams in the league. Um, and then Travis Kelsey, there's no as good as, um, you know, Dallas Goddard is. It's the edge for the, for the, I mean, he's just so dynamic for Kansas City. So I think it's, 
how do we take Kelsey and whether it's bracketing him, whatever the attention is that you decide to devote to him, basically what you're saying is, okay, Tony, Juju, I mean, whoever, Pacheco, someone else out there in that ecosystem, the Chiefs offense, we're fine. Let's let that, you know. If entity, you compete us with those guys, congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let that entity figure it out. And But once Kelsey gets rolling, they are that offense and the confidence level of the Chiefs which doesn't need any help is to the moon. And it's like AJ Brown with the, the Eagles. When AJ Brown rolls in a game, go back and watch their games, especially in the first half, that, that offense, you're just like, Oh my God, it's going to be a day. You can just see it from them. And I think Kelsey is that kind of player for Patrick Mahomes. So I think defensively, that's really what you're going to see them want to accomplish high in their list of priorities. And then offensively, I think they're sitting there going, let's get the running game established. Um, you know, we're a team that um, has had the ability to destroy opponents at times when we've really been able to get the running game established, although we know we can't necessarily do it with the quarterback this time. Um, let's see if maybe we can balance out or have a, a, enough of a complimentary game, especially early on, that we don't have to lean a lot on Jalen carrying the offense when he was playing in MVP level earlier um, in the season. I think that... Um, I think that, you know, you, you don't want – part of the reason why they want to be able to establish that running game is they don't want the Chiefs to shut down their running game, know that maybe Jalen Hurts is not going to, you know, expose the the, the shoulder, so you're not going to see him taking it in his own hands and running. Then he becomes a pocket quarterback. And I know this is controversial, and there have been some people out there that have taken shots at Jalen. If Jalen's standing back there and he's throwing against you, that's a good thing for you. Uh, you know, yeah, maybe, you know, it's it's hit or miss. But I, I, I do think still at this stage, you would much rather make him into the one-dimensional guy who's back there throwing the ball, try and get him to have to throw outside the numbers down the field because he's going to be a little less accurate there. At least he has been since the shoulder injury. And, and you know, really try to um, isolate that. And, and then the Eagles – they're also going to look at the as much experience as the Chiefs rookies have had, especially defensively. Um, they're going to look at the rookies and they're going to go, let's isolate these guys in spots and, and force them to make some decisions here. Um, you know, in the secondary, they do have the tools between Smith and AJ, Dallas Goddard, where they can stack some routes and, and maybe throw some things that, that are going to force – whether it's safeties or corners, you're, they're going to have to make value decisions on the fly, and we'll see if they, they can do those in real time. So it's not – when you look at it, you're like, well, this this is all pretty much what you would expect. Well, that's what the Super Bowl is. You get to this point, everybody's broken down, you know, so much at this stage that you can't really hide, you know, um, what you are at, at this point. And I do think between the two teams, the overall the Eagles have – the better overall too deep depth chart top to bottom however they are deficient at the two most important you know positions in the game which is the head coach and the quarterback so that i think can balance it out and and, and three if you want to say experience i think people have way undervalued andy in this game um i think people have way undervalued the experience um in this game and then health-wise, we'll see what Mahomes look like. Maybe they've overvalued the idea that Mahomes is playing hurt. Does the experience of being 
better teams during the season help the Chiefs? Because I mean, they've they've had the Bengals twice. They've had the Bills. Yeah, yeah I mean, look, no, no one. I mean, again, you look at the Eagles' schedule, and you're like, all right, well, we get it. You know, they were the number one seed. They stacked up this record, but they also did it against. Um, talent that did not measure to the gauntlet that you have to run in the AFC to ultimately get to this game um, or the court, you know, the level of quarterbacks or, you know, um, however you want to look at it. And then again, um, when the, when the Eagles faced the team that I thought was the one that could knock them off and they did cause the injury, but it was one of those moments where you're like, it make it you, you almost have to throw out this entire game now. You can't even look at San Francisco and realistically look at that and and measure what this what this means about the Eagles because one guy changed this so significantly that now the the measurement over the the entire course of the game means very little. I would say make sure you have your right tackle. Hassan <laughs> Reddick. <laughs> like I, I mean, that's a good... right tackle. Oh, yeah. Holy... On his chances against Sasson Reddick, <laughs> and but and and that is a huge matchup. You know that's yeah. a that's a significant. You know, but I mean, you know, conversely, like I don't hear as as much love as everyone's giving um, the Eagles and the Eagles front defensive line. I'll tell you one of the things that I talked to somebody from Kansas City. Or I mean, I'm sorry, I talked to somebody from Cincinnati, and they said, you know, the Chiefs' defensive line is undervalued, and, and he said especially the way that they kind of. He said they have this look where, excuse me, they have this look where um, when they're in a passing down, okay, they will sometimes throw a a wider defensive set at you where the defensive ends are set out so wide and then the interior um, is also, it's, it's just spread out so wide. But what they do is they will take Nick Bolton and they'll use Nick Bolton in a way they'll position him so that it makes your center have to like it, it almost freezes your center. Your center's sitting there going, Well, that's my responsibility. I, I'm looking at Nick Bolton and I'm going, I gotta watch this guy. And and because it occupies the center, what happens is you get one-on-one matchups across the board. You Chris Jones is gonna win one-on-one matchups. Yeah. You know, you're gonna Frank Clark's gonna win some one-on-one matchups. And he said, That's he said, there's talent there. And you know, he agreed. I said, Do you think Jones and and Clark have to play up to, I mean, they have to maximize where, what they could do in this game. It's like, yeah, absolutely. He said, but I really think they have a set that can give um, Philadelphia's offensive line as good as it is. They, they have a, um, they have a set that can be difficult, even for someone as adept as Jason Kelsey, who's going to be able to make those decisions pretty quickly. It just, if you can take the center away from doubling um, in, in passing downs, when you have that wide defensive front, um, you're gonna the Chiefs are gonna have guys who can win one on one matchups, even against um, great players on the, the, on the Philadelphia Knights. Chris Jones out on the edge as well. Yes, situations. Yeah, no, they really take. It was funny because he sent me a clip. He emailed me a clip of one of their the the all twenty two, and and the defensive ends were. I mean, it was just so wide. It was crazy how wide the set was. And but again, it's one of those games. It, the scary thing about it is it's it's also one of those plays where you almost have to have an empty backfield because you, you can't if god forbid if they ever ran figured out a way to run out of that set which you you I don't even think you would probably throw it at them unless you had sort of an empty backfield situation but what you don't want is 
Jason Kelsey then matching up on on Bolton. In that scenario, like a Hertz takes off running, if he's capable of running, he could run for thirty. You know, it could be he could run for thirty yards in that situation. It's just is he have that dimension in in this kind of a game? They were able to pull it off of Burrow, and Burrow didn't have any um, he didn't have any worry about running. Um, but what ended up happening in a number of those plays was that they lost the one-on-one matchup so quickly against the Kansas City defensive line that it wasn't even an opportunity for Burrow to even think about it. Well, one of my bets I've got on for the game is Chris Jones MVP because uh, he went out to six to one, and I was like, they're two good odds now to yeah. Like I know Frank was saying on the podcast, right? It's yeah. it's yeah, it's difficult to see the Chiefs winning the game and it not being Patrick Mahomes as the MVP. It is. Yeah. But, but if if anyone's going to do it. I mean, if I would say that Jones has obviously has the ability to dominate um, in a way in, in a stage like this where, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's someone that if a defensive player is going to do it, you would pick Jones or Reddick. And I think Reddick, you know, Frank was saying he would put it on Reddick if Philly wins just because I mean, the guy's on as great as he was in the regular season. If you're not doing the box score scouting, which looks good on its face, I think he's got like three and a half sacks and we all know that he knocked Purdy out, but just his overall impact on the game. It's been, I, it's like the pressures and the um, attention that he's had to, to uh, that the way he's had to be accounted for has been really, really significant for that player. It's remarkable to me that, I don't know what happened in Carolina, but I, like, I, look, I sit there and look at this situation. And I'm like, I probably wouldn't have let that guy get go. You probably should have kept him in the fold three, there. Three years, $45 million or something like that. Yeah, it, it's, it, is, it is given what he gives you. I think it's just the fact that he's like a 240-pound player. Yeah. And, and, and now in this NFL, you have a lot of teams are just like, I don't, you know, come on, how many 240-pound players are, are going to be um, getting to the quarterback consistently. Micah Parsons is another one where guy people are just like, well, he's amazing, but he can't do that forever. Like he's going to have to be a bigger player over. He'll, he'll wear down eventually, but I'm just like, whatever, man, like it doesn't, if they give you this kind of, this, this kind of impact, it's, it's, it's stolen money at this point. So two last questions then. First one, what needs to happen for the chiefs to win? Um, I think that line's got to hold up. Okay. I think the offensive, like to me, up front is such a massively important. Um, it, it's, it's, and it, it's stupid to say this. I feel like every Super Bowl it's like this, but let's go back to the Tampa game, right? We went into the Tampa Super Bowl and it was like injuries. Can they hold up? And then, I mean, we saw how that completely destroyed the complexion of a game that should have been in a great, a great game, right? And instead, it gets a total blowout that I think 20 years from now, people are going to go, what the hell happened in that game? They're like, Mahomes is like Michael Jordan. Like, what what happened? How could they lose that so badly? Well, it's because of the offense. Now, there's no way that happens this time. Now, that said, um, you, you have the five up front that you want, right? They're all there. Mm-hmm. So they just have to show. They have to show and play well against this defensive line. And um, – I think, you know, Mahomes, I don't know that the Chiefs can handle Kelsey, no matter what they do. I don't know. I mean, they're going to try and put the straps on him. My guess is they're always going to have either a spy or somebody over the top on him. I'm curious to see um, how they handle him coming off the line. 
I think you're going to see the Chiefs are going to – they like them. They do move Kelsey all over the place, which is great. Um, I would – you know, I'd be like put him in the backfield at times. Like basically make the defense account for him in different ways that gets them thinking. And then, you know, they do this uh, offensive – they they run it a lot, in, and I think it's because it's so successful with Kelsey. They run this stack where basically they figure out a way to get – Kelsey and two other pass catchers on on a particular side of the field. They stack up three levels, and Kelsey Kelsey is typically the interme- intermediary guy in there, but he's remarkably successful. Work, you know, working himself open, and teams know they run it, but they always have a hard time dealing with it. You know, and it's and it's just because it creates a lot of decisions in a small space and. And then Kelsey's just a great player at, at knowing how to get himself open. And he has that connection with Patrick Mahomes. So I I question whether or not they, they're going to even be able to stop him by accounting for him the way that they do. But I, I think it's going to be important for Kelsey and Mahomes to have, you know, um, to get moving pretty well early on. Because at the very least, that's going to that's gonna force probably Philly to over-adjust in that situation. Maybe out of frustration that, like, we prepared for this guy. And then I think that's when you you see Pat go to work in other places, um, you know, on the field. So I I, I think they're really going to need that to happen um, offensively. And then I just think defensively, like I said, Clark and Jones have to affect the game up front. They just have to. If if only to figure out what is hurts right now. Like what what is he? What is he? Is he more healthy than we think? Is he is he going to have the mindset of my shoulder's not good, but I don't care? Which he could. He could say, you know what? I'm going to take it in my hands. If I get knocked out in the third quarter, I get knocked out in the mm-hmm. third quarter. But I'm I'm going to do everything I can out there to to just try to be what I was pre-shoulder injury. And he is not. He has not been what he was prior to that shoulder injury. But I think Kansas City, it's it's really really important up front for them to affect that because I I do think you know Philly's going to try to figure out a way to to isolate uh, guys in the secondary and. A, you know, AJ Brown, I think, is another one of those guys that is good. He's gonna, you know, do you press him? He's really good against the press. Um, do you not press him? If you don't press him, what's your what's your bend but don't break kind of tolerance with him? It's there's a lot to deal with here. It's gonna be a hell of a matchup for Kansas City. This is not if they win this game, they will have earned it in in every way possible. I I I will tell you, it's this would to me be um, I think it would be their most impressive Super Bowl, you know, two of one I, of Patrick Mahomes' career, given all the multitude of factors that go into this one. We've got a minute and 56. So one quick last question. What can't happen while the Chiefs will lose? Um, I Again, just going back to you can't – Mahomes can't get beat up in this game, okay? He can't get hit. He can't get – Reddick can't – like you said, that's a – the right side of the offensive line is an extremely important uh, matchup in this game. And Reddick can't be able to affect this game the way that he has all playoff long. I mean, he did literally single-handedly destroyed the 49ers. And it wasn't just that one play. There were other plays that he made in that game where you're like, oh my God, like this is they're already having a hard time with this guy. And then, you know, he does what he does. And um you you can't let him get hits on Patrick Mahomes. Um and you know, if if that's happening consistently, and and Mahomes, you know, ankle really is what they have said it is. I still question whether it's actually a true high ankle sprain. I'm sorry, but I'm just like this is like Superman to come back from high ankle sprain. 
But again, I would not want him to get hit. So I just, the, that offensive line is, they're showing up with the group that I think they want right now. They've got to perform like it. It's, it's extremely important. That's brilliant timing. That takes us right up to time. Charles, thanks for your time. Much appreciated. I know you yeah. had a busy week. Yeah, sorry it, it, it took me so long to get to you. This that, was this was an uncommonly right. We got here in the end. We got here in the end. Uh, enjoy the game. Um have fun at it. Um, All right. Um, I'm I'm sure we'll DM each other during the game. Yeah, I d I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. If if I'm sober <laughs> enough at that stage, yeah, I can right. do that. <laughs> well, enjoy yourself either way. So. Uh, I will, I will, I will. Right. Good. Thanks. Talk to you soon, mate. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thanks. Take care. Bye.